Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together. Glad to have you along as we continue to study this letter in the New Testament called Hebrews. It's rich, isn't it? Great to have you with us. Good morning, Rob, or afternoon, I think it is for you. So uh, we are in chapter 7, and we're talking about this uh, this interesting um, character of Melchizedek. And what we see as we grasp what the writer is saying here is Melchizedek was central to God's purposes and plans all the way along. It's like this little, this little nugget, this mysterious uh, character that at first seems relatively insignificant because you don't hear much about him. He just shows up in chapter 14 of Genesis for a moment. And then when the climax of the story appears, this figure was so important. It's kind of like, although this is not a great analogy, but it, it's it, it's kind of like uh, in the movie, The Lord of the Rings, you know, you see this, uh, this ranger, uh, Strider as he's called, and he, he seems to be playing one role and then you find out, no, no, his role is, is uh, a key central role of the entire story. Well, it's not exactly parallel, but the idea of, we love stories like that. And there's a reason. We love stories where some, some seed is planted and then later uh, grows into this important flower. Now I'm mixing all kinds of metaphors. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. We love that because the greatest story, the story of Jesus, is just like that. And the more we study, we see these layers, these themes over and over again. So Melchizedek. So I want to take you back to where Melchizedek was introduced in Hebrews chapter 5. And speaking of Jesus, it says, He was a son. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered, having been made perfect. And you remember now what that idea of perfection is. It's, it's from the telos group of words in the Greek. It's reaching the goal, having achieved the goal. He became to all those who obey him the source of salvation, being designated by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. So back here in chapter 5, he introduces this, this, uh, this character, Melchizedek, and that the son, that Jesus, was designated by God a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you know your Jewish history, if you know the Old Testament, that should give you pause. For the Jews, this certainly would have given pause for the writer of Hebrews to say this. The Son, the Messiah has come and he's a priest, but he's not a Levite? That doesn't make sense. And the writer says, oh, he's a priest based on Melchizedek. And then the writer of Hebrews says, concerning him, Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. And then he goes through the rest of chapter 6 and gives them the uh, stern warning there about falling away and all that. Now in chapter 7, he comes back to Melchizedek and unfolds this important character and his relationship to Jesus. Now, we looked at this the last day or two uh, of how he's trying to show that Melchizedek is superior to Levi. Levi, one of the tribes of Israel, they became the priestly tribe. 
and he's he's arguing that Levi paid tithes to Abraham, uh, which shows that and Abraham paid sorry Levi was a descendant of Abraham. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, which shows that Melchizedek is a higher rank. So let me I made this little chart here for you for those of you at the gym listening to this via podcast. You're gonna have to come look at this later, but this is this is what he laid out. So you got Melchizedek there on the top, right? And then Abraham, we know, interacted with Melchizedek. Then Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Levi. And the order goes like this. Melchizedek blesses Abraham. So the one who pronounces a blessing is superior. So Melchizedek is superior to Abraham. And then Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. See on the right side going up there. And so that means Melchizedek is superior to Abraham because Abraham paid tithes to him. Well, Levi is, so to speak, in the loins of Abraham and through Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek. So Melchizedek is superior to Levi. Everybody see that? You know, this is not hard, but the language can get kind of confusing if you don't slow down and walk through this. Okay, so that's that's what he's getting at here in verse 9. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. All right. So all of that to say, Melchizedek is superior to Levi. Therefore, Jesus being a priest in the order of Melchizedek, his priesthood is superior to the old covenant Levitical priesthood. Is everybody tracking with me? <laughs> I hope you are. Again, this is not difficult, but the language can be a little bit thick. All right. So now look what he says. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, not just, just stop there for a minute. If perfection, you know what I'm going to ask. I just mentioned this a minute ago, this word perfection comes from the telos Greek of uh, telos family of Greek words. Goal, accomplishment, the end purpose. If the goal could be reached through the Levitical priesthood. Now, now just before you even finish the sentence, let that question settle in your mind. What is implied by asking the question, if the goal could be reached through the Levitical priesthood. What, what, what immediately does that make you think of? What, what question, what, um, what's implied in that question? Let me give you a moment and see if anybody uh, gets it. Good morning, Caitlin. Glad you're with us. If the goal could be reached through the Levitical priesthood, does just that statement of question raise anything? In your mind, Rob says inferiority to, of something. Uh, okay, that's getting close. Doesn't it raise the question, or, or maybe put it this way, doesn't it imply that the Levitical priesthood could not take you to the goal? That's exactly where he's going to go with this. Well, you're jumping ahead a little bit, Lon. Lon says, if the law could give salvation... Let's, let's, um, you're assuming the goal there and that, so <laughs> just, I want you to just slow down. Everybody slow down here. 
Whatever the goal is, the implication is the Levitical priesthood could not get you there. Which does then raise the question that Lon's answering, what, what is the goal? What was the goal of the Levitical priesthood? Okay, stay with me. All right, so then he, he adds this parenthetical statement, and I'm going to skip over the parenthetical statement for a moment. It's very important, but let's, let's catch the, the whole point here, and then we'll come back to that. If perfection, if achieving that end was through the Levitical priesthood, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? You see what he's saying? Why would God have sent this man Melchizedek as a priest if Aaron, the high priest Aaron, could accomplish the goal? And remember in Psalm 110, Yahweh says to the Adonai, which we now know is Jesus, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Why would David announce that there is coming the Lord who is going to be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek if Aaron's priesthood could get his people to the goal? You see the obvious implication? The Aaronic priesthood could not achieve the goal. If it could, there would have been no Melchizedek and the Messiah would not be promised to be in the order of Melchizedek rather than the, the order of Aaron. Does that, does that make sense? Are you seeing that? Lon says Jesus would have been redundant if Levitical was sufficient. Yes, exactly. Can you imagine being of Jewish heritage and hit with this, this statement. Oh yeah, there was another high priest before Levi. Well, before Aaron. There was another priesthood before Levi. And the Psalm says, when the Lord comes, he's gonna be of the order of Melchizedek. Well, wait a minute, we have a priesthood. For hundreds and hundreds of years, we have a priesthood, Levitical priesthood, what it couldn't, it couldn't do the job? So that begs the question. What was the goal of the priesthood? Why did God set it up? All right. Now I'm going to ask you another question based on the parenthetical statement here that's interesting. Notice what he says here. For on the basis of it, the Levitical priesthood, on the basis of it, the people received the law. The law was given on the basis of the Levitical priesthood, not the other way around. The priesthood was not given on the basis of the law. Now, that's a subtle point, but it's important. See, when you read through the book of Exodus, chronologically, we have the, the actual exodus from Egypt. 
Then we have the law given, the Ten Commandments and the, and the covenant made. Then we have the tabernacle and the whole priestly system, right? That's the order if you read through Exodus. And because of that order, I think we sometimes just assume the priesthood was given on the basis of the law. That is not what the writer of Hebrews says. See this? On the basis of the priesthood, the people received the law. Now, ponder that for a moment. The foundation was the priesthood. The Levitical priesthood. These men, these descendants of Levi who served in the tabernacle and then the temple. It was on the basis of that that God gave them the law. What was the purpose of the priesthood? What went on in the tabernacle? What went on in the temple? What was the most frequent job of the priest in the tabernacle. Do you know? What do they spend so much of their time doing? And what did the people approach the tabernacle in order to accomplish? Sacrifice. Right? Day after day after day after day after day. People brought their offerings, their sacrifices. Yeah, Rob got it. Offering. Lon said it too. Offering sacrifices. These animals they brought, and along with others, of course, the wave offerings and, and so on. But predominantly, it was bringing these animals to the priests who spent their days slaughtering these animals. And depending on what kind of sacrifice it was, cutting up pieces and burning some on the altar and they got to eat some and sometimes it was, the whole thing was consumed. And, and think about the whole structure. You've got the tabernacle with the Holy of Holies. God's presence dwelt there. How awesome would that be in one sense? You, you, you see the pillar of fire come down in the smoke and it fills the tabernacle and you, you see the imagery there. God's in that place. But there's this curtain. It's like a giant keep out danger sign. You can't go in there. God's there, but you, you have no access. You, you can't get in to see God. You can't get in to dwell with him. You're cut off. And only one man, one day a year, gets to enter the presence of God. And that's only after he offers multiple sacrifices and cleanses himself, washes himself, all those things. So on the one hand, God's right in there, right in that building, and yet we can't get to him because we are unholy, we are unclean. And all these sacrifices brought day after day after day told the, the Jews what? You are unclean. You are unholy. You have no access to God. And it was on the basis of that priesthood that the people received 
the law of the Old Covenant. So that tells us something about why God gave them the law, I think. You know, sometimes we, we think so many of those commandments in the Old Covenant were arbitrary. And they, they were arbitrary in one sense. Now, we don't like to ever say God does anything arbitrarily. Well, they're not arbitrary in terms of his ultimate plan. But, for instance, why the prohibition against eating pork. I hear, you've probably heard people like this too, people who want to go back to the old covenant diet and they say eating the old covenant diet makes you healthier and God knew that and so he he restricted certain animals so that the people would be healthier. Now, can we just think that through for a minute? Doesn't that imply that God cares less about our health in the new covenant? So I'm going to bring this new covenant and I'm going to go ahead and open up the door for you to eat all this stuff that's going to make you sick. <laughs> the new covenant's better. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you these, uh, these foods that are going to make you sick. No, that's not why he, he didn't restrict any eating in the old covenant because he was concerned about health. He was testing the people. Look at, uh, on, the, on, the, on the day that God gave the Ten Commandments, Moses says this, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain in you, so that you may not sin. That's why he gave them those laws. That's why they weren't allowed to wear mixed threads. It's not because... Plant, wearing two types of material in your garment is offensive to God eternally or planting your potatoes next to the corn. You know, you weren't allowed to, to mix your, uh, your vegetables out there in your, in your field. Those commands were not given because God ultimately cares how you plant your, your vegetables. It was a test. The law was to test Israel to see if they would obey him. And by bringing their sacrifices day after day after day, their offerings, they were acknowledging we need atonement. We are sinners. We have not obeyed the law. So putting it together here, God gives them a priesthood where priests are continually day after day after day slaughtering animals to make atonement for the people. Then he gives them a law that is so detailed that they're not going to keep it. Every aspect of life is, uh, has a law attached to it, it seems. So the, the law fit the priesthood. You following me? The priesthood was intended to show them their their sin and need of righteousness, need of atonement. And then he gave them a law to accomplish that mission. What the Levitical priesthood could not do was actually make them righteous. It could not actually atone for their sin. The Aaronic priesthood couldn't get them there. 
That's why there was a need for another priesthood and another sacrifice, as he's going to go on to say. Okay, so these Christians that the writer is speaking to, who had come out of Judaism, they had spent their whole life practicing the Levitical and Aaronic priesthood. Sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Day after day after day, right? David Hillman, all that. And they received the law of Moses on the basis of that priesthood. The priesthood has now changed. The old covenant priesthood, the Aaronic Levitical priesthood, it's gone. And notice what he says. For when the priesthood is changed... Of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. What's the writer doing? He's saying everything is different now. We're not under that old covenant priesthood. Therefore, we're not under that old covenant law which continues the pattern that we've seen through this whole letter so far. In Christ, in the new covenant, the old has passed away. The new has come. We're not pouring new wine into old wineskins. Jesus is superior to angels. His law superior to the old covenant law. He's a mediator of a better covenant. He's going to go on and say in chapter 8, he's superior to Moses. He's superior to the Sabbath rest of the old covenant. He is superior to the Aaronic and Levitical priesthood. His order is Melchizedek's, which preceded and is superior to the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood could not accomplish the mission of making the Jews righteous. It couldn't actually atone for their sins. It could not give them access to the presence of God. As long as that curtain stood there, keeping them out of the Holy of Holies, they couldn't get in. And even after all those sacrifices, day in and day out, the people couldn't get in to be with God. Everything had to be replaced transformed that whole system had to be replaced with something better and it was and god set all of this up as far as the priesthood goes with melchizedek to whom abraham paid tithes oh what a story what a story we got a couple minutes left here uh any questions, comments on that? Are you, are you catching it? Do you see what the writer is doing here? Do you see how this is beautiful and it, it shows God's plan all along? Even as he revealed his, his law to the Israelites and his priesthood and, and we, we see the progression from Jacob through Moses, David, all that. The, the, it was always to get to Jesus. And the new covenant priesthood, which could actually accomplish the goal of atoning for our sins and making us righteous. 
Lewis says, beautiful new covenant teaching that the law of Moses had a start and an end point. Exactly. It did its job. The old covenant and the law and the priesthood, it did its job not of making the Israelites righteous, but of exposing their lack of righteousness and their need for a different atonement and different priesthood. Uh, the treasured home says, does the Ten Commands still stand? Uh, no, that was the core of the Old Covenant, and the Old Covenant is over. Uh, I did a whole series on this. If you want to check it out on YouTube there, it's called, uh, uh, I forget, The Law and the Spirit, something like that. Anyway, you can find it. It's, it should be pretty obvious. So no, we are not under the Ten Commandments any longer. That's the heart of the Old Covenant. Uh, we're not under any of that. It, uh, the Ten Commandments were never given to anyone outside of uh, Israel because it was the heart and soul of that covenant God made with him. Lon says, was there a physical Melchizedek or just spiritual predecessor of Christ? Uh, oh, definitely. He was, a, he was physical. Um, yeah, Abraham paid tithes to a, a real person there, a real uh, priest. All right, treasured home. Yeah, uh, you kind of take us off course here. Yes, homosexuality is still wrong. The new covenant uh, scriptures teach that explicitly. And I would say even, if not stronger, as strong as the old covenant ever did. All right, folks, I'm going to call it a day there. Uh, we'll come back tomorrow and continue looking at the superiority of the new covenant. Take care.